like halfway through season one, people were writing us saying, I can't tell you apart. I can't tell you apart. So like idiots, we got on and said, Hey, we're getting feedback that you all can't tell us apart. So this is Eli. And then Mike said, this is Mike, which obviously in no way helped decipher <laughs> anybody's voices. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Golfer's Journal podcast presented by Titleist, the number one ball in golf. My name's Tom Coyne. Today we are chasing scratch with our good friends Mike Shade and Eli Strait. Hopefully you enjoyed Charlie Wurzel's wonderful piece, his profile of golf's new favorite duo. They've sort of taken the golf world, well certainly the golf podcast world, uh, by storm with their inside jokes, their 90s movie references, and their passion for the game of golf, and their belief, and their optimism about where it can take them on their quest to get down to 0.0. They are just great guys. Uh, We had the chance to, I was recently on their podcast, now they're back on ours. It's really wonderful to sort of bring these two worlds together, and they're just really good dudes. After speaking with them twice, it is just no surprise why they've become, uh, why they have such a loyal following. Uh, they're very relatable, very generous, and they're and they're pretty funny as well. I think you're going to find. What is their secret to uh, two regular guys going out and trying to get good at golf and it becoming a movement in golf? Well, listen and find out. Another thing we love about Mike and Eli, they are team Titleist as well, and I know that they're gaming uh, SM9s, Vokey Wedges. Mine arrived not too long ago. I was able to customize them. Uh, trick them out a bit with I've got a a nice Notre Dame gold wedge which I know will annoy half of you listening other uh, (laughs) some of the other wedges I went with uh, shamrocks all over and and nice shades of green I let my girls sort of pick out the colors and stamping for another one so very cool to get them customized more important to actually get them fit so go to titleist.com set up uh, an appointment to get fit with a titleist fitter wedge fitting couldn't be more important my wedge is being fit. I know that I have the right grinds and the right bounce, and I know that I can stand over a tight lie with my 50 degree, and it's not going to dig. I can get the club to move through the ball, get a little zip, and hit those low spinners that I'm looking for. Uh, thanks again for listening. I hope some new folks are tuning in for the first time, maybe from the, the Chasing Scratch audience, and if so, very excited uh, to have you on board. Again, Great to bring these two communities together. Remember that Golfer's Journal, we bring you this commercially quiet experience because we think that's what you want in a magazine as you read minimal ads, no 10-page spreads about a retirement community in South Carolina. And we do that because we rely on our members and we have been able to rely on our members for their support. And not just for your support, but for spreading the word as well. And the best way you can do that is through our referral game. Now, the referral game... It's, it's pretty wild. This month's referral game, 500 Link Soul shopping spree for the winner, plus another 500 for the new member that you have referred. It's a pretty nice way to start off one's Golfer's Journal experience with 500 bucks in your pocket. Again, you just log on, you go into your locker, get your referral code, you tweet it, you share it, you text it, whatever you do. Anyone clicks on it, you start winning stuff. Uh, so this week, this month, Big link soul overall. You know, if you get one referral, you get entered into the lottery for the year-long prize, which is a total Titleist makeover. Every club in your bag, every shoe on your your foot, feet. It's it's a lot of great free stuff. 
And also another benefit of being a member uh, of the Golfer's Journal is being part of the Broken Tea Society. This was recorded, this podcast was recorded live on the Broken Tea Society, which is, again, our clubhouse in the clouds. You've been hearing a lot about it. It's free with your membership. Uh, it's super easy to get started on it. And if you feel like, well, I'm kind of late to this Broken Tea Society, actually, not at all. You'd be, you're pretty early to it if you're signing up now because it's sort of it's starting to take on a life of its own it is something that is growing and developing because of the members and what the members are are doing uh, on the discord server and it's it's really exciting it's your ideas and imaginations that are driving it so we'd love to have all our subscribers in there contributing your take or finding a tea time with uh, fellow members or participating in one of our weekly conversations like the one we're about to share with you that we had with our good new friends mike and eli so if you are part of the Velcrin, the Velcrin sort of still makes me chuckle. We welcome you to the Golfer's Journal. If you have no idea who or what the Velcrin are, well, listen up, because you're about to find out. Thanks to both of you for taking the time uh, to come on and talk about uh, something you talk about a lot already. Uh, but we can't get enough of it. You guys, uh, Chasing Scratch has just been, it's its pretty, it's wonderful what's happened with it. Uh, as someone who's chased golf dreams of his own, um, I relate a lot to it. And I uh, just think you guys are are, are fantastic and, and cheering for you in your quest. When someone asks you, what is Chasing Scratch? What is your answer for those, you know, we're going to have listeners uh, who might, may not be familiar. I don't know who possibly wouldn't be familiar, but if, if they're not, if someone asks you what chasing scratches, what do you say? Well, I'll take a stab at this, Mike. You can clean up whatever I don't hit. Um, I think it's just it's basically my me and my best friend from college uh, getting sick and tired of seeing each other twice a year uh, on golf trips, and you know wanting to quit golf three holes into those trips. And so you know we said, hey, look, if if we retired from all recreational uh, hobbies, you know softball leagues basketball leagues if we couldn't you know not going to violate commitments to spouses and kids and families and jobs and all those things could we at the time go from 11 handicaps down to scratch in a year and so we're we're starting season five so uh the answer to that is absolutely not um, i don't want to give away anything but yeah, <laughs> yeah. spoiler it alert it didn't happen <laughs> but i don't know mike what did that cover it accurately I think that covered it accurately. And then um, just, you know, if, if you've got a good 90s pop culture, uh, if you appreciate 90s pop culture and you don't even know anything about golf, you'd probably be okay listening. Excellent. Yeah, there's a lot more going on than just golf talk. Um, and that's certainly one of the reasons we have so many listeners here today. Um, we're going to get into to all of that. What was that moment of clarity, that moment where you'd said, hey, let's, do you, do you remember the where and the where you were and the why and, and, and the, you know, what pushed you finally to do something about this? Well, I'll try to take that one. It was right after a golf trip. We had just, like Eli said, we got kind of tired of getting so excited about these golf trips, getting on the golf trip, and then four holes in, we're videoing each other, trying to analyze our swings. By the third day, we've changed our swings completely. And we, we, we just got, I think there was one trip um, in the summer of 2017 that was particularly bad. 
And afterwards we were like, we're going to get, we, we just got to get better. And then, um, so that was, that was kind of the, the driving force. And then Eli, it was actually Eli's idea to do a podcast. He'd been wanting to do a podcast for, uh, two years and he had bought us both microphones. We had this, we had these microphones and I didn't, but we didn't know what the podcast was about. So then we just said, well, let's, let's just document this. Let's, let's really try to get better. We'll record every time we talk and we'll see if it, we'll see if it's any good. And if it's any good, we'll try, we'll try to try to make it a podcast. So tell me what was tougher to learn, you know, so there you're, you're Eli, you've all, you said you, Mike said you'd wanted to pod for a while, you know, learning to do a podcast. Um, Mm-hmm. Was what were the challenges there? Was it tougher sort of getting into the golf or actually now getting into the podcast space? I mean, that's I know for personal experience, it's very much an education. Golf content, there's a, a mass amount of you know, people that are willing to give you help with your game or your swing. And we knew kind of right away that's not us. Like we're not good enough. We don't know enough. And, you know, we we said, look, we're also not the guys that have the inside track to the PGA tour and players and, and any of that. So we wanted something that would be unique. Um, but we also said, you know, we wanted something where people, if, if they could actually get better along the way by listening to us, we thought that would be the coolest mix, um, you know, of having a good story where people were entertained, but also got to the end of it. And they were like, you know what? I picked up two or three things that actually could help. And we really didn't know what that would, you know, what that would be. Um, you know, we kind of just, as Mike said, we, we kind of recorded and we record every, we recorded everything. Uh, you know, Mike and I talk on the phone, we've talked on the phone every day for 20 years and we would record, you know, those calls we would record when we were on the course and, you know, along the way, we've been very fortunate to get hooked into some awesome resources where, you know, it actually, you know, people, you know, came along and actually would help us and, and kind of give us some guidance. And then for anybody to listen, we've also, we've also done 9 billion things the wrong way. So we have, you know, a lot of people that have said, we've learned so much about what not to do from listening to your old show, which I guess, I guess that checks the box as well of, of learning something. But um, I think right. we just, we just wanted, we, we love, we love, you know, narratives, you know, kind of storytelling and we wanted something that would be interesting, but could help as well. So to say that you spoke, that you talk every day for 20 years, that to me is probably the most impressive thing about the show, about listening to you two, you know, that you've gotten to a certain age where a lot of guys don't really, um, I, we, I've actually written about this in the golfer's journal. Uh, you get to an age where, you know, you're focused on family, career, et cetera, and you kind of forget to have friends. Um, and so it's been awesome to, you know, it's great to see friends uh, like yourselves go through this adventure together. Do you, are you generally, where do you think that comes from? Is it where you're from? Uh, do you have other people that, you, that you're still close to for 20 years? Um, I'm probably not alone in thinking like, damn, I don't have a friend that I talk to, except <laughs> for the staff of the Golfer's Journal, but I don't have someone that I talk to uh, every day that's, that's not my wife. Um, yeah, I think, I think we're aware and we've become more aware, uh, just, just since, uh, since putting it, putting the podcast out and kind of putting the friendship out in public. Um, but I think we've always been aware that it's rare and we've been thankful, um, that, that we have the friendship that we do. 
but I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure I can say, you know, this is, this is why, or, or this is, uh, this is how it came to be. I met Eli the first day of college and, uh, we just kind of had the same sense of humor. And then we were kind of into the same things at the same time. And we both had a, a knowledge of, of Seinfeld that, uh, that, that kind of was the basis for, for our friendship. And then we both got into kind of got into fell in love with golf at the same time. And so, uh, that was all those ingredients kind of just led us to, to, you know, it's, it's just something that we did. We just, we, 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 we used to talk on the way, talked on the way to work every day, uh, just, just, to just to laugh. And, um, so yeah, I, I don't know if I can answer, you know, kind of how that happened or, but I, I think we're very, we're very, uh, grateful because it's not yeah. something that we necessarily tried to do. It's just something that happened to us. It's awesome. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, the connections that you make in college and certainly I'm still friends with, uh, you know, the, some of the people I met on that first day at school, but the fact that you've you kept in touch and, and now you get to do this together is one of the very appealing things about it. Um, and as sort of the thing that some of us vicariously get to experience, not just the golf, but certainly the friendship. So the podcast, you decide to do it, you put it out there. How'd you get people to listen? Uh, you know, there's probably some folks in the audience who, uh, like Eli, want to have a podcast too. Um, how'd you get people to uh, to find, figure out, find you? The first few episodes, we we laughed because I mean, we literally had thirty downloads, and we could we knew who all of them were because of the software. We went, oh, <laughs> Raleigh, North Carolina, I know who that is, in Lexington, Kentucky. That's oh, there's mom and dad. That's two downloads, and then there's, there's one in Australia. <laughs> that's that's Brenda. That's our yeah. that's my old roommate in college in Australia, and then like we could literally pick them and go, oh, cool, the, those thirty people got on and listened, and um, you know that was kind of the way it was for the first few episodes, and then. I remember I, I, I remember a, one weekend, it was a Friday, and I was actually heading to the course to play. And on the way to the course, I, I just looked at our download numbers, and we had had, you know, a couple. I mean, a couple you would never do that. I was safely looking at them at a stoplight. Um, but uh, I, I remember we had a couple thousand downloads in like an hour, which was way out of whack. And my, And I called Mike. I said, Hey, we got a couple thousand downloads in the last hour. And, and Mike's response was, I think the software is broken. It'll probably re-update uh, and refresh here in the next little bit. So just don't, don't pay any attention to that. And then literally for the next two and a half days, we were just getting, you know, tons and tons of downloads. And we couldn't, we, we thought that somebody had hacked our software, our, our podcast hosting system and uh, had done something, but but it, it it turned out somebody had posted about us on uh, reddit.com which i think it was was it will terry mike i think it's who it was uh, or, or somebody i don't know, i don't know if it was i don't know if it was will but was, will certainly done a share of evangelizing so will if you're out there thank <laughs> yeah, you yeah but somebody had posted uh, about us on a reddit page and it had, it had got a bunch of eyeballs and that's kind of where it just springboarded from there that's awesome oh, that's awesome and in all these episodes 2017 uh, you know, and it's, it's grown and grown and it's gotta be, you know, very satisfying to, to, to watch that happen. The, uh, is it true that in the story in golfer journal 19, um, great story bar by our man, Charlie, um, Warzel, uh, was that the first time that you used your last names? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Um, <laughs> and that, that was, that was really just a, 
a measure we took to try to keep our worlds separate, which we kind of thought was not really that necessary because again, we, we really thought this was a, we do this for one year. We didn't really, we, we thought, you know, our buddies and our families would get a kick out of it, but we, we didn't, we didn't anticipate, you know, growing, a, growing an audience like we, like we did. Um, but just in case we were like, we, you know, our jobs at the time were jobs where, I mean, we weren't doing anything wrong by having a podcast, but it's just, it was just one of those things that was like, I, I'm going to keep that separate from, from work life. So we just tried to keep our last names out of it. And then, uh, until Charlie said, we, you know, he, he's a, he's a professional journalist. We need your last names. And, uh, so we said, okay. And now the world knows, uh, now the world knows if they've got a lot of LinkedIn requests. We, we had, to, we actually had to tell, we had to tell our, our listeners, if you see the article, you're not going to know when he refers to shade and straight, you won't know which one is which. So we, we, we have to come clean and tell you who we are. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Are you at the point now with, now how does it, this, um, golf celebrity that you have, um, how does that, are you comfortable with that at work now? Is that, are those two worlds? intersecting at all do people know who you are and what you do on the side they they do um we also both have different different jobs than we had uh before so it's 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 a little bit it's it's not as complicated as it was um right. but um i mean I, i'm i'm but i'm not comfortable with the word celebrity at all i know um, i just threw that in there <laughs> I don't, we don't, I don't, we, you know, we don't really consider ourselves that I, we did get, um, we did get, I, I did get recognized at a course for the first time uh, a few weeks ago, which was, which was, uh, strange, but, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, but everybody's, everybody's been so nice and it's been, and, and, and it's so encouraging to us. Uh, you know, it's, it's been, we're, we're just thankful for it. Yeah. And you don't come off as celebrities and that's not what you're doing this for sure. And that's again, one of the reasons why it's compelling and you're fun to watch and easy to root for. Um, but you'll certainly get recognized at more and more golf courses. It's the funny thing about like sort of being known in golf, um, to any degree, however small it is. Um, you know, you can go to a golf tournament or something, be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? What's up? And then, um, absolutely. And anywhere else. And that's just such a small, tiny place. You realize anywhere else in the world, no one knows who the hell you are. And, uh, that's good. It's good. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, your, your fan base will, I'm not surprised that they're picking you out. will pick you out more often, even though they know you probably more as voices than, than faces. Um, what was the, so was there a moment beyond that spike in listenership when you knew the sort of show had taken on a life of its own, where it sort of surprised you, where it became sort of like, okay, uh, this is maybe bigger than we thought it was going to be. I think there's been several moments like that. Um, and, and they kind of continued, continue to happen. I, I'll, I'll say one thing, um, that we started last year was, um, a Patreon group. And that was because listeners said, Hey, you should start, uh, you know, you know, community and, and do bonus content on there. And, you know, people would, people would want that. And that was something that we were, we were just kind of hesitant to do because it just didn't, uh, I, I don't know, it just didn't, didn't occur to us that people would, would really want that. Um, 
and we were just shocked. Uh, we've got, you know, we've got about a 800 people in that, in that community. And it's, it, and it's, it, it's really like, it's, it's become kind of a family. Like we just got back from our third listener event in Austin and, um, like those guys are just, and, and girls are just so, uh, so fun. We have not met anyone that, uh, that, that we wouldn't want to just, that we don't enjoy hanging out with. It's just a special group of people. And that's just one of the, that's, the, that was one of the biggest surprises. We just didn't, we didn't think that, um, we'd have as many people kind of wanting to be a part of a kind of a golf community. Um, and, and so, th- and, and that, and that, and again, that was listener driven. That wasn't any idea that we've had. We've a lot of, a lot of things that we've grown into have been, uh, not our ideas. Um, and so that's, uh, that, that's the other kind of cool thing about it. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, co- yeah. Community, how much of that community, I imagine there's a fair amount that aren't actually golfers because again, what you guys are doing is sort of compelling beyond just golf shots. Yeah, I, 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 I don't have the percentage. I don't, I don't know what the percentage is, but, um, but I know, I, I know my, uh, I know my wife listens to the podcast and she doesn't know anything about golf. So um, <laughs> if, if she can, if she can stay, you know, stay with it and uh, doesn't get bored, then, uh, you know, we, we must have something else going. I, I, I think, yeah. Tell, tell Yeah. Eli, I was just going to say, I, to, to answer your question, I think my favorite like, whoa moment was probably, I think it was season one, but for any, for any of our listeners that are, that are on right now, this will be familiar, but you know, Mike, Mike had a fitter that he went to in Raleigh for a couple of years named Rick. And we went on a golf trip yeah. several years ago and Mike's uncle was there. His dad was there. His brother was there. And the whole family had been fit by this guy, Rick. And we started the golf trip and every shot that the, the family hit, that was a good shot. They would all simultaneously, simultaneously yell, come on, Rick, like all of them like, yeah, Rick. All right, Rick. Yeah. And every bad shot they hit, they would scream at Rick. Come on, Rick. Like, Rick, what? You know, and it turned into this this big joke, and we would talk about it. We would yell it all the time on, on the show. And I remember we had a listener write in and said they were at a course. I, I don't even remember where they were in the country, but they pulled up to the course. They were walking up, and they heard someone on the fairway hit a shot and scream, come on, Rick. And Mike and I were like, that is the, like, end the show. That is by far the coolest yeah. thing. Like, it has peaked. It will never get any better. Um, that 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 was probably my funnest moment by far. Catchphrase, dude. That's the next. <laughs> you know, once you've caught a catchphrase, where else can you go? Yeah. You can only screw it up from there. Someone and then when Alan called us, when Alan wrote us from Titleist and was like, "Hey, we would we would like to help you guys out," yeah. like. That was that was another one where it was like whoa, like I didn't think we would ever be on a Titleist radar. Like so that was that was another thing that was just that just kind of happened. That was cool. Yeah, we were more worried about ruining their brand. I think at first um, we were like, "Do you all really? Do you really want to call? Like maybe you haven't thought this through. Maybe you all haven't listened to the show all the way through. <laughs> I don't know that you, we're really the people you want to be affiliated right. with, but." Uh... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Suddenly I'm your sponsor. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) no, we're all team titleists here. So that's, uh, that is awesome to hear. Um, tell us something that you've learned in this journey about, I mean, it's, it's been five years of pretty intense, immersive chasing golf improvement. 
Has there been something that stood out to you that you could share with the listeners that could be useful to them? I mean, I'm sure a lot of what you've learned is maybe quite specifically tailored to yourselves, but are there any lessons where you'd say, you know what? I wish I could share this with more golfers. Gosh, where to start? Um, I think there's a, there's keep a long look. Yeah, keep your head. Down. Yeah. <laughs> keep your left arm straight. And no, um, no, I, I think, I think more than anything is just anytime you, I, I'm learning anytime you pursue something all out. Um, you, I, I kind of had in my mind that, once I really dedicated to this and got good resources and really focused attention, that it would just be this steady ascent upward, <laughs> you know, like that, that there would never be a period where you really materially pull back. And, um, man, golf is just, it's so freaking hard. Um, you know, I, we've had, we've had years where the handicaps got chopped and, you know, moved in the right direction. We had a year where, we played, we were better players, but the scores didn't reflect it. And I think more than anything, it's just, it's just the idea that when you set out to improve at golf, you got to understand it's, it's three steps forward, two steps back. And the two steps back, they really hurt. <laughs> like they really yeah. irritate, they irritate me to death and they're painful. And I think they're even more painful because of how public our goals are. Um, you know, but, mm. um, but, you know, I, I, I think it's just, it's a good reminder that, you know, it's, it's probably not like anybody else out there who's given any kind of level of commitment to the sport. You know, you go through periods where you think to yourself, I'll never go back. I will never hit a bad shot for the rest of my, I'll never shank a ball. Like it is just going to be, it is going to be the sweet spot from here on out. And golf just has a way of humbling you. So I, I think more than anything, it's just learning how to keep your head down and just go to work the next day and go at it, even when you're not playing well. I would say um, it's just amazing how how long we've been doing this, how much we've been, how much we've put on audio, how much is just sitting there, like for for you know us to hear, everyone to hear, and how much we forget. <laughs> like it's just so easy yeah. to forget, um, uh, you know, especially the mental stuff. Like Eli was just saying, like I'll never hit a shank again, even though that, even though you know that's not true. That's the feeling that you get um, just this weekend. I hit a shank and it, and it, it messed with my brain for three holes. And it, and, and I was, I was in a, in a low moment. There's, there's some people on here that saw me in a very low moment. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's just crazy that you, that you continue to get, to get sucked in. But then also it's like, Tom, it's like we, we were talking about the other week and uh, we'll have our podcast up with you uh, tomorrow. But, um, where we were talking about that the thing that brings you back is you just never know what, what day is going to be the day and what shot, you know, if, if this, if this shot is going to be the, the shot that turns everything around and, yeah. um, uh, you know, that, that still lives, lives within, but, um, but to answer your original question, I was just, I was going to say one thing that I think we've learned very recently and we're trying to implement this year more than any other year, I think is, is that when you're when you're playing golf, you're playing golf and you're not practicing long-term swing changes while you're playing. You're playing for the lowest score that day. And when we've done that, um, when we when we've done that and have, and have been fully mentally committed to that, that's when we play our best golf. And it's just a matter of remembering that and 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 kind of g going through that. Um, 
But uh, that, that, that's, that's one of the biggest takeaways that I've had is if you look at five years of our best rounds, they were all when we were, we were in, a, it went in a good spot mentally and, and trying to be a more reactionary place than a I'm trying to make my swing perfect place. Exactly, because really what is Chasing Scratch about? It's about playing golf. It's about scoring. It's not about did I make the perfect golf swing. And you can probably, I'd imagine it's quite easy to get lost in the other endeavor uh, where it is, you know, whether you're yeah. dealing with coaches and doing a lot of film work and saying, okay, I'm actually out here to try and get my right elbow in the right position. You know, no, like the ball doesn't give a damn where your right elbow is. You know, it, it cares about how quickly you can get it in the hole. So, you know, that classic playing golf versus golf swing sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I can certainly re relate to that. I can also relate to what you're saying there. Um, this idea of it all being done in public. Are there moments when you wish uh, that you could have your sh your shank? I don't like to say the word. Your sh sh shanks. Um, <laughs> your worst rounds. Your your biggest numbers that they could just be yours. You know that that you could go off and into the in, into the quiet, into the dark corner, and, and be alone with your bad golf if you're in having a bad stretch, and and not have to share it with the world because. There's this, there's an embarrassment factor to it that you have to get comfortable with or or, or get uh, comfortable dealing with. Um, I can certainly recall from Paper Tiger that being the sort of the second level of of sort of pain and angst that um, to to playing poorly was that like not only did I go out and shoot 92 in a qualifier, I had to go tell people and hopefully a lot of people because I wanted the book to sell. So, um, <laughs> do you you know did you ever did you ever do you ever get that sort of feeling or reaction? Oh, I think. Oh, I, I'd say. Go ahead, Mike. I was going to say 100%. I mean, I can think of a couple of times where there's been the temptation on a couple different levels to try and hide what's really going on. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I remember in season two, we have this thing on the podcast called the OFP, the overall feeling of possibility, um, that we refer to every now and then. Like, hey, okay, so how are you feeling? What's your, what's your, take on on you know can you get this done and there was a part in se time in season two where i was just low and we recorded something and i told eli i was like i have no chance there's no chance i'm getting this done it's not gonna happen i just moved my job's crazy like it's not gonna happen and i said it's a zero and eli got mad at me and it was it was like it was it was a funny recording but when we got out we got out of it like we actually talked about like do we really want to post that because our podcast is about, you know, optimism and, and, and that, that's, that's kind of the, the, the feedback that we get. Um, and, 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 you know, is, is it, are, are we going to bring people down? Are people going to, are, you know, what are people going to think if, if they, if they hear how low I was, um, we ended up, you know, saying that we're going to, we're going to stick with it, um, and, and, and be real. Um, but there's, there's been a couple times like that where it's like, we, 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 we listen back to the recording and we say, man, I really wish that didn't happen. But, um, <laughs> but then on the, then on the other side of it, a lot of our best, a lot of the best feedback and a, a lot of the, the things that the listeners like the most is when, is when we blow up, you know, when there's a train wreck. So <laughs> there is, there is that pot, there is that positivity, you know, uh, around it as well. Well, that, I think that's the thing. We it's want the, the train wrecks. Yeah, man. it's the blow up. That that I think that's the hard part is, you know, we all know what golf course angry is like, and there's no, I don't know, if there's another angry like it where, 
you know, for a couple, for a couple seconds or a couple minutes, you know, you could turn into an ax murderer, uh, really, really quickly. And, you know, it, you want to go into that hole where you just don't talk for a minute, but <laughs> that's, it's like, Hey, when you're, when you're ready to explode, would you just make sure that this mic is a little close to you so we can capture what you're thinking? Um, you know, so, sometimes that's not the most ideal thing. Uh, and I think the bat that's the other thing too, the, you know, the bad rounds, it isn't, at least it's in mine, you know, it's in the back of my head, like, gosh, like, this is laughable. Like, how can I, like, nobody's going to take us serious. I can't post this round. I don't even want to talk about this round next week. Like th- right. there's no way anybody's going to have any confidence that I can get this done if I just post it around like that. But you know, that's for better or worse, we throw it all out there. And I, I think most people, I, I think it's, that's probably the relatable part is that everybody says, well, we've all been there. Dude, it's so relatable. Yeah. I, it, no matter if you've, if you've been on a golf quest, if, or if you've just, you know, as I said before, golf sort of lulls you into this feeling that you're probably better than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe that today you will be. And when you go out and prove otherwise, so emphatically, um, it just, it's like, damn. And especially now it's like, you put your name on something, whether it be, oh, I'm going to try to qualify for a tour. Or I'm going to try to get to scratch. And you just can feel like, damn, I'm a fraud. But I think that showing people that and being completely honest, um, as you said, you know, Mike being real, uh, I think that's, well, it's tremendously important one, because as, as a, to the, reason that i think your podcast has been so successful because it has that authenticity to it the irish have this expression that good news is no good for telling nobody just wants to hear about how good your day was or how easy everything was you know they want to hear about your struggles because that's how we all learn and that's why i think you know and why stories are interesting and yours is very interesting because people actually learn something about you know experience when they listen what have you learned as storytellers because that sounded like one lesson uh be honest you know, be authentic, not that, you know, you're honest guys anyway, but, you know, show the bad stuff is, is certainly, certainly a lesson. Are there other things that, that you've learned, you know, going into this, you're not your day jobs. If I'm not mistaken, you're, you're, you're not writers or content producers, um, but you've been able to craft these craft a really compelling narrative over five years. Uh, what are your best lessons for doing that? Gosh, that's a good question. I, I, I think, yeah. I think for me, Man, I've never been asked that. I, I think for me, it's probably just the idea that don't make anything up. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think I think if we were trying to craft a storyline, um, the show would be horrible. Uh, and you know, every trip we take, we don't, you know, we just record everything. It's like it's like every golf trip that everybody listening here takes something stupid happens, some inside joke, you know, something becomes, you know, a part of the story that was completely unplanned and you talk about it for the next 30 years and you reference it and you laugh about it. And that's, that's kind of the way it is. It's just that everybody's a part of the inside jokes now. Um, but I, I think that's probably the biggest thing is just be yourself and, you know, let, let the story naturally go where the story wants to go and don't try to force it and don't try to create a path. Cause I think if we did that, it would be, it would be horrible. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's fair. And I, I, I think also the times that we've tried, not, not tried to, you know, 
we've tried to give opportunities to for, for something big to happen that and nothing ever does. Um, I, I can't think of one time where we where I've where I've set up like okay, I'm going to play this course, and these are these are the people playing with me, and I know I'm going to have a good round, and and like we'll have. It, it never works out like that. It's always what you what you don't expect. So I do think you know maybe season one, Eli and I used to worry, um, or or you know season season two, we're like, man, we're going to run out of things to talk about, or we're going to run out of stories that are interesting. And then we kind of just we, we kind of realized that well, actually, probably not. I mean, some people might get tired of us, but um, you know, we're we're going to. If you go into it and and let the let the story come to you and just kind of be open to it, um, there's normally there's normally something in in whatever we're doing. If we take a trip, if we if we if we go somewhere, if if we're if we're trying something new, um, so I think it's just kind of keeping the mind open and not getting because wh- where we've gotten stuck before is if if we think the, if we think the story is going to go this one way. And it doesn't work out. And then, you know, there's like, oh, okay, what do we do now? Yeah. And that's something that's that sort of pivot that um, one, I, I certainly know that experience and that you've probably had to now, Mike, do you do most of the editing you talked about? You collect a lot of audio. Um, how do you, what's your guiding principle for sort of boiling it down into um consumable but small consumable pieces you know learning to to edit especially when you've got tons and tons of material um that's challenging and that's gotta that's that's something you must have had to uh has that been a challenge uh what have you learned as as someone who's editing audio down uh into its into its best bits yeah and we have we have some help we have uh we have lenny but but uh we we have uh who who helps us with with editing, but you know, we're involved in a lot of it. And I think that that was a big learning process because, um, there's, there's obviously the the bad position of not having enough audio. And we've done that a couple of times where we've, we haven't had the mics going and we've missed some really good stuff. But then when you have too much, like I remember when we had, when we came back from California, we had 26 hours of audio. Um, and it was like, 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 where do you even try to to begin um, to you know get through all that? Yeah, you know, we really wanted a f- the feel to be that people were on the course with us. So you know, we we don't have a bunch of. I mean, we've obviously got the studio recording equipment, but you know, when we're out on a course, like if it's windy, it's windy. <laughs> like the audio is windy. <laughs> we want people. We wanted it to feel as close to being there with us and being in a cart as possible. And so, yeah. you know, even just how we collect it, it's, you know, we've tried to be very intentional about, no, nah, I don't want, like, I don't want to window dress that audio, like keep it like it is. If it was windy, it's windy. Um, you know, if, if the lawn guy next door is deciding to weed eat all around the house beside you, just let him go. Um, so anyway. Exactly. Just let it, let it happen as it's happening. <laughs> how have you gotten to the point where you can, because the more success you've had with this and the more people that, that know about it, the temptation to play to the mics, the temptation to um, up the story or play to your catchphrase, you know, whatever. Um, it's that pressure there. And how do you avoid it? Because it would seem to be sort of a, you know, being Mike and Eli is your secret sauce. 
Um, and your audience is going to be able to tell if you're not being Mike and Eli. But if you know that you're also talking to your audience as you're playing golf, is that sometimes a tricky sort of thing to navigate? I, I think, man, you're making me thinking about. Yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I think though we we made a deal in the beginning. It, it was like we're just going to be ourselves, and if people don't like it, that's okay. Um, and but but it's going to be too hard to try to be a, a persona or you know whatever. Um, you know, so I, I can honestly say, I mean, Mike and I, you know, we've we've been on golf trips with each other now for 20 years. How we are on the audio is if you would have went back 20 years ago and put a mic in front of us, that is it would sound basically the same. Um, you know, there's really no difference. I think that's that's part of why I, I think the story, you know, to your storyline question, there's no there's just no faking or well, we have to throw this in, or you know, the things that have taken off are just the things that have taken off in the show are things that we didn't think we almost didn't even put them in the show. I mean, come on, Rick was something we, we almost didn't even put in there, but it's, it's something. yeah, we'd said it, we'd said it for a while. I mean, it was just kind of what we said before we even did the show. And you know, the things that have taken off are things that have just been part of our vernacular for years. So, um, you know, I, I think we've just kind of made a deal to say, we're just going to be who we are. And, if there comes a point where people get, which could happen where they get really tired of it, then, you know, that that's so be it. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I, I do. I, I do think going back to it, while I don't think it's when we're on the mics, there's that temptation. I do think, uh, and, and I was alluded to it before when, you know, we, we do know that, that, you know, we're by nature optimistic. That's what we've gotten a whole lot of good feedback on is, that the show is uplifting, people enjoy listening to it. So there is there is the temptation that when there's stuff that's not that, um, like I mentioned, uh, or you know, like last season, uh, <laughs> why did the, why why do I keep bringing up when I get low? Every, everything's when I get low. But last <laughs> season I quit. You know, there was there was an episode with the one where Mike quits um, because I really did quit for like eleven hours, and but there it was. We uh, we were hesitant to do that, and so I, I do think the temptation there is is there, Tom, because it's like you build, you know, you you get feedback on what people like, and you want to make you, you want to make sure people are getting what they like, um, and I think we just have to kind of stick to our kind of what what we've what we said from the beginning, which is we're going to be real, and sometimes people might, sometimes people might not like you know the place we're at or you know what that is, but. Um, yeah, so, but, but I definitely feel the, there, there's definitely the, the te temptation to, to kind of live up to what we know people like. I can totally see that. And the fact, you know, but what people like, I'm sure you've learned is, you know, that you're not too polished or too prepared to where it feels again, like someone's talking to listening to their friends. And, uh, yeah. and that is at the end of the day, after listening to your podcast, that that's what the experience is, is that it's a show to me that's about friendship. Um, cause you say if it's, you know, if it's an optimistic show and you two are optim, you know, come through with this, with a sort of optimism and ener optimistic energy, uh, golf is the ultimate non, uh, not a sport an optimistic sport by its very nature. The endeavor itself is, is absurd putting a ball in a hole that's 500 yards away. Um, but the thing that is optimistic in your show is your, is your relationship and your back and forth. Um, all that said. Any fight? It's a partnership for five years. I mean, 
Was have there been any any Donny Brooks any blowouts? Um, <laughs> you know when is it? You know I'm you know screw it. I'm not calling Eli today. Uh, I'm not returning Mike's text. Enough. Gosh, has there been one, Mike? Oh. The only thing I the the first thing that popped into my brain was I think you were legitimately mad at me. Mike wanted me to go get fit for driver in season two, and I think it was season two. And yeah, I was, I was, I had boycotted because I thought that Mike, Mike's fix for everything at that point was just to get a new club. <laughs> it was like, I didn't hit the, I didn't play well today. You know what I need? I need a new, I need a new hybrid. I think that's the problem. I'm just going to get a new hybrid and fix everything. And so he had wanted me to get fit for driver, which up to that point, uh, I had not been fit for driver and I'd been fit for irons. And so I told him I wasn't going to do it. And he uh you know he made a lot of he made a lot of in mike's mike's degree of being angry it's it only goes to like a level two there's nothing really above a two so he got to a two but you know it was just more of a frustrated grumble about about me about how stupid i was for not wanting to get fit for driver so that's probably the only one that comes to mind am i missing one um gosh yeah it's we don't get angry a lot. Um, I'm trying to, but I'm, I feel like if, cause if even, even when I, even when I, even when we do get mad, it's just for, it's just for a second. Um, like I've been, I've been mad at you and we, we mentioned this the other day, but I was, I was mad at you when you filmed me. Um, <laughs> down the line. I, I, I specifically asked you not to film me down the line. You did. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that just, that, that, Got to me, um, but we have, but we, but, but we don't get mad at each other. You and I had a litmus test for like a decade where we would say, "Okay, you." We would pose questions, Tom, just randomly, like, "If I did this, <laughs> would you be mad enough to fight me?" And would it be out of obligation or would it be out of true anger? Um, and we would pose these random questions every time we were together. It's like there was the, the, nice. the worst hypotheticals on the planet, but we were just trying to search to find something that would legitimately tick the other guy off enough where they would want to fight. They would want to fight and, and be mad enough to do it. But I, I don't think we ever found anything. You didn't find anything. I don't think so. You guys really are good friends, <laughs> You're the, man. Gosh, I wouldn't even have to think very much. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Eli, we can't think of an example where you've been mad at me. Come on. There's got to be something. I can't. I, I got, I think, I think I got frustrated with you. I got frustrated. Actually, I, I'll, the closest I've come, I got frustrated with you in Pennsylvania uh, because you went, you were, you weren't. It'll do that to people. <laughs> <laughs> that's right see that explains that explains that, do i need to give any more detail or did does everybody get it uh, no, that's it we were in pennsylvania and i was, just, I was mad. just mad and and that was enough um no we were we were in pennsylvania mike wasn't playing well for a stretch and he just went he just went rogue silent like wouldn't say a word and i tried to i tried to cheer him up because we were in the middle of a we were in the middle of a two-on-two match and and um He's, you know, I said, Hey, keep, keep your head up. You're good. We're, we can get it here. And, and finally he, <laughs> he turned around and went, 
would you stop whatever you're doing? Just let me be mad. You're trying to, that was where we termed the, 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 the phrase Belvedereing after Mr. Belvedere. He was like, you're like Mr. Belvedere. You're just trying to, you're trying to prop me up and make me feel, just let me be angry. I think that's probably, <laughs> that's probably the closest I've come. <laughs> Mr. Belvedere. We termed oh it, we gosh. termed it Belvedereing. So now, so now if the other one gets mad, you just can't say anything. You just sit there and let him stew and you just don't do anything about it. Don't Don't do it. I forgot about Mr. Belvedere. Um, <laughs> was that the show with the little kid? Uh, he was, Penny? didn't he like look after a, yeah. 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 Was yeah. Your name Penny? Oh man. Um, Mr. Belvedere, dude. Well, that's one of the, another sort of your trademarks or things that I think makes the show a lot of fun for people. And before I should have said it's not Pennsylvania's fault. If you were in Philadelphia, they would say that that can usually make someone's blood boil or just go get uh, your tipping point get a little closer to things. But you're, you know, from Belvedereing to come on Rick, uh, a couple you've already mentioned. There's there is that vernacular, as you said, to your show that I think your listeners have gotten really into. And so just for those new listeners or people who are new to chasing scratch. Uh, can we run through a couple and you can give us, um, you can do sort of do a glossary for your show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Um, LGLG. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. This is, let's go yeah, this, this was let's go. Let's go. Uh, which came from varsity blues when, uh, John Voigt is trying to get them to go back out after he tried to stick a needle inject the and me and let's go let's go let's go i'm i'm walking out that door you follow me out there um which that's all it was in season one that but then lglg just became our rallying cry i don't that that was one we would have never thought would have stuck like it has i like it um and then we have uh attaboy attaboy gary (laughs) (laughs) tell us about gary that is from that is if anybody's seen uh ted lasso ted lasso before it before it became a tv show OG ted yeah this was ted lasso that when they when nbc sports bought you know the rights to the premier league uh broadcasts so they they had the character of ted lasso go over to tottenham and he was named the head coach and it was a it was a really funny bit but in the middle of it he was he was he, he had a, a player on Tottenham kick a kick a ball over the goal and he screamed he screamed there you go three points and they said no you've it's not worth any <laughs> any points and he screamed you, you, you got it wrong did I did I mix it you up got it, you got it wrong. no he he hit a goal he was talking about the slide back when he's oh, like that's, that's right that's right that's right that's tackle. yeah and then he's and then so then he had someone tackle For, like a he had Gary tackles he's a that a boy Gary that's the way he tackled and so <laughs> So, the, so that out of boy Gary, that's the way he tackled. We were playing with a Gary last we year. We were with Charlie, and yeah, we were we were with Charlie, but we were yeah we were in uh, in Canada, and we were playing with this guy named Gary, and every time, and he was playing really well. So there was a lot of chances to say out of boy Gary, and we just beat it into the ground. And uh, that's I mean that, that's that's typically how we do uh, how we do jokes. If we find something funny, we just continually say it. Um, which not everyone prescribes to that comedic philosophy, but that's that's kind of how we it, 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 how we do the, things. The highlight of that more people than anything. Mike, Mike, when he pulled into the garage, Mike 
yelled that night for dinner, Mike yelled, Attaboy Gary, that's the way you park at the Radisson. And that was the that was at the level where we thought, <laughs> I think we've I think <laughs> I think Charlie and Mike and I found it unbelievably amusing. We laughed about it for the entire week. Um I don't know that anybody else did, but um but Gary's going to Ireland and Gary's Gary, going to Ireland now. So he, he's, he's, he's dead. <laughs> uh, he does not realize what he signed up for. Is he coming on your Ireland trip? Yeah, he's not. I don't think he's going to like us. Oh my gosh, dude, that is so great. And it reminds me of like in college, we had like a quote board. If someone said something, a line from a movie or TV show or whatever, or just said something ridiculous or like oxymoronic or something, and we just write it on the on this. You know, it ended up on a board somewhere on on those what race boards or something, and um, and those became just the stupid sayings or little jokes you know are things that i can still recall and that became like the things that like if i still talk to someone 30 years later you know that that you that still come up um and people and that's another reason i think people love listening to you guys is because um that kind of humor where you'd say it's all a lot of inside jokes well people want to feel like they're on the inside of an inside joke right it's no fun on being on the outside of one so i think you give them the chance to do that and that's and that's really cool um and you know what it also reminded me there that uh can you believe nbc just gave you know gave ted lasso to apple that's insane oh, um, crazy or i don't know if they had to buy it but how they let that get away it's yeah. crazy i don't know i don't know right. they shouldn't it's nuts um tuesday has no feel <laughs> tell me about that you take that one mike <laughs> oh man tuesday has no feel we were uh so that that's that's our weekly show that we do on uh for our our Velcron, uh, we call the Vel- uh, the, our Patreon group. We call them the Velcro. That was my next question. <laughs> Tell us about the Velcro. If you can just Velcro. put them together. Yeah. So, ve- uh, yeah. So, okay. This is, we're, we're like three levels deep now. We're in inception. Um, but the Velcro came from there was a thirty minute rant that Eli went on in season one where he's talking about the velcro of his glove he was doing video analysis and he was like my my the angle of my velcro and it was just so ridiculous that it, it you know that was just something that was that we thought was funny so we named we named the, the patreon group the velcro because of that and then you know, also velcro you know brings 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 things together holds things together they hold the podcast together so that's yeah. that's kind of what we came with the velcro and then tuesday has no feel is just a line a deep cut from a Seinfeld episode where uh, Newman says, uh, you know, Kramer. Yeah. They're in stakeout and Kramer says, what's today? Uh, and, and says Thursday it says, it feels like Tuesday. And Newman says, Tuesday has no feel when we were, we were just trying to come up with names for the show. And I said, why don't we release every Tuesday and we'll call it Tuesday has no feel. Um, that's really, Dude, that is, <laughs> That is hard for Seinfeld knowledge there, man. I'm pretty good at Seinfeld, and I was scratching my head on where you're going with that one. Uh, I forgot that episode. Impressive. I like Chase and Scratch. Easier, more accessible. But I like Tuesday Has No Feel, too. Um, So then you get to the Velcro, the Velcro Invitational. Yeah. Now, is that that your... um, is that the are those the trips you're doing now or is that an annual um event it's an annual event just started last year um okay. we did and and again this was something that came totally from 
from the the Velcron themselves, and uh, and you know the the, the Velcron themselves planned it. If there's some, if there's anything that me and Eli are terrible at, it's logistics. So Monty and Stubbs uh, <laughs> planned the whole thing, but uh, they they asked you know the, when we first started that community, they said, hey, can we watch the final major, the match that you guys play at the end of every season? And we said, well, I mean, yeah, but only if a certain number, because we just didn't think that many people would want to do it. Um, so they got the number that we asked for, and then, and then we made that into an event where you know they they watched us on on the the final major, which was the most nerve wracking round we've ever played. Um, and then we played, uh, we had an event in Charlotte. So the Velcro Invitational is is now an annual event, and then we'll. We had uh, we just had Austin Austin City trainings in Austin Texas, um, so we, we we'll we'll look to keep going and doing uh, you know th- three events a year probably. That's fantastic. So these major the major majors are when you play each other, right? That's correct, correct. And and every year we've ended with the final major, and it's usually for some ridiculous stakes but the most prized possession is of course a signed picture of carl weathers that we bought in season one i had in in robbie's notes i just had a line that said carl weathers and um it is the uh that's i mean i don't need to that's totally obvious why that would be would be your trophy um is there any particular carl weathers that you find more um more memorable or important to you than other Carl Weathers roles? Well, the picture, um, I mean, they're all <laughs> the picture for the final major is, is Rocky holding Apollo as he dies in the ring. And it's, but oh, it's geez. signed. It did he, Carl's supposed to be an ex Carl signed it. <laughs> Carl signed it. But then we had to buy it from someone in Germany. It was the most weird. It was the weirdest thing ever, but, that we we frame the picture and the winner gets gets that picture but mike has a cardboard since then mike has bought a full size cardboard cutout of of oh no that was that was gifted oh, was that gifted me. i think stuff oh, that's right yeah i'm looking but at it's it the right full here. it's like 6 feet tall. it's the full coming to america gear in rocky 3 he's he's being dropped down out of the ceiling um oh, it's yeah. pretty special james brown oh yeah awesome um fantastic so when you're playing this major i mean you have how big is the crowd out there watching it with you i mean are there just people following you around um hole to hole is it sort of like yeah final final group i think think we had 45 people um which again that's that's nervy man it was nervy (laughs) (laughs) yeah the first tee shot was the most nervous i've ever been in my life um, I was, I was legitimately scared that I was going to toe shank one into the, into the crowd. Um, which, which I find, which I found interesting. We, we asked Eli, cause I don't know if you know this Tom, but Eli played division one college basketball. So it's not like he's, he's I did not know never on stage athletically before, but, uh, I remember Eli, you were like, no, it's, it wasn't even close when you're nervous in a basketball game, you just pass yeah. the ball. Um, in in golf, yeah everyone's watching everything and, and you have to hit the ball. So, um, yeah, and it, and it was, it was amazing so yeah, that, how was, that, but that whole experience too was so helpful 
because it just highlighted Tom just thinking about our conversation you know a couple days ago and you were talking about the importance of tournament golf you know and you said you got you got to learn how to play and Mike and I it was so interesting to me I mean it was whatever 45 people but the big muscles had no problem firing it was like 80 and in where all the nerves just were blatantly <laughs> obvious, <laughs> like all the little short chips, right. all the putts, um, all the stuff where your hands yeah, are involved. I mean, yeah. it was, it so. was crazy how it was just crazy how nerve wracking that was. Yeah, no doubt about it. And keeping your timing. Yeah. The, yeah. It's, it's, those are the things that kind of, kind of go away. Um, and yeah, so you alluded to, you know, thank you for having me on your show, which, uh, as you said, we'll, we'll air soon and this will air soon as well. We are so thrilled and excited now at the golfers journal to be, uh, to be in one another's universe. Um, I think it's, it's, it's really cool. We lo again, love what you guys are doing. Um, just a couple questions and we'll let you, we'll let you get out of here. If one of you figures it out that you're a pair going after this together, someone's going to get to zero first. Uh, someone might be at zero and someone might not, might, might be quite away, away from zero. Um, how's that going to go down? Uh, what happens if, when one, or if one makes it and the other doesn't? A lot of gloating. I have no idea. <laughs> Is Carl Weathers A lot of involved? superiority complexes, uh, probably some of that. <laughs> um, that's a great question, and I and I don't have an answer. I think with the, one of the weird things has been we've ended the season. Two of our seasons we've ended with the exact same handicap, and even the ones that we haven't ended on the exact same handicap, we've been really close. But like we started this year at five point six, we we ended the season two at three three point five. So like we haven't experienced really where one is one is drastically better than the other. Um, handicap wise, we've, we've obviously had ups and downs where one's playing much better than the other, but, um, but I don't know what happens, but we're going to find out this year because it's this, this is the year I, I can say for me at least. So we'll just have to see how Eli reacts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I, I think the dream, the dream exactly. would be, the dream would be some sort of in a, in a world where one of us gets gets really low or, or even into plus handicap range. I think it would be absolutely crazy to do a U.S. open qualifier or something and just have the other guy caddy, which would be the greatest, it'd be the greatest thing ever. Um, so I don't know. There's a world of possibilities out there. If, if, if one of us just goes nuts. Talk about nerves, Eli. <laughs> that'll, uh, the U.S. open <laughs> qualifier uh that'll bring that'll bring yeah. it up but that it's certainly something we'd love to experience your audience would love to experience and that brings me to my last question the long-term plans for the show where do you see things you're going to get to scratch i'm i'm i believe as you do you know that you'll get there and uh so what's the once you get to that point and you're no longer chasing scratch but you are scratch um what's the what's the plan what's the long-term vision for the show now that you've, you've built a community you can't just walk you know i, I don't think you'd ever walk away from it yeah, we we have no plans to walk away. Um, we, we almost did walk away in, in season two um, just because we, we both got to a point where we we kind of had lost belief. And so there was there was the, the ending of season two is is a 30 minutes of us hashing back and forth in different conversations about 
you know, we're not going to, we're not going to do this and pretend that we believe we can do it. Now we eventually got to the point where we believed we could do it again. And so we, we carried on, but, but, but now, I mean, we're, we're to the, we're to the point where we, we have no plans to, no plans to stop. Um, I think even, even when we get to, when we get to scratch and keep saying that when we get to scratch, there's going to be other, other goals for us. Um, and as long as people enjoy, um, kind of joining us for those chasing those goals. I think, you know, there's, there's plenty of stuff that we can do. One of the things that we've, one of the things we've learned and uh, Tom, I, I, I learned this, I, I learned this in your book. Cause I think you, I think you pointed out in paper tiger, but we've, we've learned it firsthand is how many levels of golf there is beyond scratch. There's like, I think, yeah. I think it's some, at some point or like, you know, at some point in my life, I was kind of like, well, there's scratch golfers and then there's pros. And you don't realize that there's scratch golfers and there's like 27 layers of better golfers than scratch good. golfers. Yeah. Um, and so, so I think, I, I think once we, once we achieve scratch, there's going to be other things that, that, uh, that, that we want to do and, that, and whether that's, you know, playing and play, qualifying for tournaments or, you know, things like that. So that's, that's what, that's what our vision is. Um, but we also try to keep that, I would say we try to keep that vision light because just getting back to what we said, you know, the whenever we've tried to plan things out, it doesn't really work out. So we're, you know, we'll kind of we'll kind of go as the as the story takes us. 